inside, outside. From being a person at liberty to come and go, eat, sleep, work and play at my own volition, I became prisoner number 37986 with no control over my life. My instinct was to fight the jackboot that stomped on me, to resist. That would have been the end of me. Fortunately, Saroja adopted me and saved me from myself. I did not want to be adopted. I raged against her interference, as I called it. But she persisted, seeing me through those first terrible days and nights which were much worse than the first terrible weeks and the first terrible months until I finally began to accept my situation and the long road ahead. She made me eat when I'd rather have rejected the foul food we were presented. I had to keep body and soul together, she warned me, and I couldn't afford to be fastidious. Eat. So I realigned my upturned nose and ate. I couldn't bear the rough, scratchy clothes we were issued. Plus, I never wore blue. It depressed me. Be depressed and be done with it, she advised. The uniform was blue and I'd have to wear it. Thick, hot and uncomfortable in the damp heat? Learn to live with it, for there's no alternative. Why must I bathe only at a designated time every day and no matter what, not again? Why were yoga and exercise mandatory? If I wanted to become fat and unfit, who else's concern should it be but mine? There wasn't a single mirror in the whole place anyway. It didn't matter, she said. I must bend and twist and breathe as instructed. I couldn't see the sky or a tree or hear a bird or a stray dog. Why should this matter, you ask, since I'm not exactly a sky and tree kind of person? I don't know, but I yearned for trees and skies in a most alarming fashion. She advised me to forget about them. Since I wasn't going out of this place for court visits and the like, skies and trees no longer existed for me. One of the first things you learn about prison life is that if you want any semblance of peace, you follow the rules. There's no real peace. You carry the turmoil within you, so how can you hope to escape it? But for even the most fleeting illusion of peace, you must submit and obey. Otherwise, you will be broken. I raged about my innocence and she scoffed. All are innocent here. How many do you think acknowledge their guilt? And if some of us do, as I do, that only proves that we committed the act, not that we are guilty. When you're poor, and uneducated and powerless and must accept the crazy willfulness of the world and know that your children will be born to equal poverty and hopelessness. 
you're already on the path of crime. You just don't know it yet. She didn't sound illiterate and powerless to me. Indeed, by the time I met her, she wasn't. She'd been in the system long enough to have understood how it functioned and how to make the best of it. There was an open university program and she turned to it as to a savior. She compelled me to enroll too. Amongst the limited options on offer, it was the most normal. Naturally, in the circumstances, I opted to study law. It was an intense course. I had many years to fill. I ached for my former life. I raged and cried. I missed the small things. What to wear today, what to watch on TV, simple liberties I no longer enjoyed. I yearned for Chinese fried rice and pani puris and groaned to even think of what awaited me come mealtime. But I learned to do what must be done and to bear what must be borne. If I had learned these lessons earlier, I wouldn't have been there at all. But that's a role there's no benefit in following. I studied with commitment, grateful for the distraction, and sat my exams and got my degree. I worked on my own case too, writing letters and making appeals, even though I knew there was nothing for me except to wait till I became eligible for parole. Still, I had to try. Roja had done all the learning too, but she never sat the exams. We became a team that helped other inmates. Neither of us wanted money. I just wanted an excuse to keep my gaze away from the clock and the calendar, which moved too slowly. And having had my life of small advantages outside, as it was known, I couldn't take cash from these poor, illiterate women. The guards knew what we were doing. Admin knew, and even the lawyers. They often asked the women, what do Saroja and Jayanti say? Is this their advice? Of course, I wanted to widen the scope of our work, fight for our rights. I'm confrontational by nature. That's what landed me there. She restrained me. If we angered admin, she said, not only would we lose this freedom we had carved for ourselves, but the women would lose the guidance we gave them. Everything would be stopped. They could do that, I should know. And they would, if we made trouble for them. Everyone would lose. So, I pulled back my fist. Many is the time I offered to work on her case with her. Fresh pair of eyes, find a loophole. She always refused. Politely, but no. In all our years together, I came across her file only once. My instinct was to grab it and flick through it and see what she was hiding from me. But I forced myself to walk away. I told her she'd left it out and left the room. But what I'd already seen had been enough. I chewed on my thoughts, wanting as always to rush and ask her why, why? But it was none of my business and she must have her reasons. So I zipped my mouth tight. I lasted nine days. 
I was still trying my hardest, but she was sitting alone with no one around and my bottled curiosity could hardly be contained. I dropped myself onto a bench across the table, still silent and struggling, avoiding her eyes. She reached out and put her hand over mine. I'll tell you, because I can see you'll go mad if I don't. But I won't change my mind. Why? I wailed at her. Why? Your file is so thin. It's empty. No papers, no appeals, no letters. I've been here half the time you have and my file is bursting. You encourage me to make every attempt, but you make none? I don't understand, Roja. I just don't understand. You say there's always hope. Keep trying. Then why aren't you trying? Explain to me so I can understand. And so she explained. It was the saddest, cruelest, hardest explanation I heard in all my years inside. You have family and friends, she said. They might not visit you here, but they will accept you when you do your time and walk free. My past life is dead, destroyed, finished. For you, outside is a hope. A dream that will one day come true. You'll make a fresh start, a new life. You'll succeed, I know it. For me, outside is a terror I can't face. It frightens me. I've forgotten what it's like. It's been too long. I have no money, no friends, no family. Nothing I can depend on and nobody I can turn to outside. Nowhere to go, not even for a night. How will I survive? I'm there, I said. I'm your friend. You can stay with me. I'll help you. Her smile was sad and her eyes tired. I don't have the strength to adjust again. I'm too old. This is my life now. A life term is for life unless you earn a parole. And I don't apply for paroles, so I won't be granted any. I'm safe here. I'm fed, clothed, sheltered. I have a secure roof over my head. On the outside, I used to get up at 3 a.m. to fill buckets of water because that was the only time we got it. I can't do that anymore. Here I open a tap and the water flows. If I get sick, I go to the clinic. There are medicines, doctors. I have friends, I have companions, I have you. And most of all, something I never had before. I have respect and honor. Even from admin, they respect me. They know I'm using the system to my advantage, but they let me because it's to their advantage too. I can't have a fraction of this outside. I'd have to strive too hard to create it all again. It's too tough, Jay. I can't face it. I tried. I really tried to understand. How could one choose anything over freedom? It was an impossible concept to wrap my head around. I came to see that it wasn't an easy choice, even for her. But when she did the cost-benefit analysis, the evidence was plain. She was better off inside. And it was her life and her call, and I had to accept it. That created a rift between us for a while, I admit, but only on my side. And in time, I got over it. 
We still had many years of fruitful partnership together on the inside. Then I came up for parole and had to make my bid for freedom. I tried to get her to join me, but she was immovable. I hated her for her stubbornness because I loved and admired her so much. All this ran through my head as I awaited instructions from the priest. I was numb with grief. My thoughts were elsewhere, reliving past victories and triumphs, past joys and laughter, past sorrow and anger and acceptance, something more than mere friendship. Admin had contacted me. She passed gently in the night. She left a request for me to do her last rites. Would I be willing? 